0: Okay, Hare Krishna, this is Krishna Dasa. Welcome you to today's session of Bhakti Sutra. Omagyana Timirangas, Gyanandana Shalaka, Chakshuram Militan, Tasma Shri Guru Venom. Om Namo
1: Narayanaya.
0: Om Namo
1: Narayanaya.
0: Om Namo Narayanaya. Om Namo Narayanaya. Yeah, I was going to say that, so I recently took initiation for uh, Atma Kriya Yoga, and uh, the particular uh, Guruji I have, they advised me to try Om Namo Narayanaya, because it probably vibes better. So, it's the same thing, yeah, it's, uh, it's a progression, yeah, what did you say, Lakshmi Ji? Pregala, Pregala, then Om Namo Narayana only he always said. Yes, yes, yes. No, actually, uh, it's, whatever uh, vibes well with you, you can pick that. So Om Namo Bhagavati Vasudeva is also the one I was doing. It was also vibing. But there we are going through the Father. So we are saying son of Vasudeva and we are trying to approach him that way. Om Namo Narayana, we are going directly to uh, Krishna. So this probably may vibe better with a lot of you. I tried... This also, and it, it seems to wipe better. And more than anything, I'm just trying what my teacher is telling me to try. Uh, okay. So
1: we are also trying what our teachers
0: tell. <laughs> <laughs> really grateful for that. The yeah, teachers always the mean well. So yeah, it's
1: good, good. All everything Bahaman
0: Yeah, it's it's all uh, it's all God, you know. So I've been looking for like I've done Kriya Yoga before also many times, uh, but. Uh, a lot of Kriya Yoga is very kind of uh, the term is very loosely used these days in the market, and a lot of people are capitalizing on the popularity of the term. So everybody says Kriya Yoga, Kriya Yoga, but basically there are very few who actually do it the right way. And even among people who do it the right way, there are two divisions. One of them treat it more like a yoga, which is like uh, Ashtanga Yoga, uh, kind of a yoga. So they treat it more like something that will help them uh, from that perspective, and there is this other school which treats it more as something that they can integrate with Bhakti Yoga. So because I'm teaching Bhakti Yoga, this just happened. This just happened providentially. I was chatting with somebody, they referred me to somebody, and uh, magically, like somebody told me, "Hey, you should be in my one of my satsang group," and I'm like yeah i didn't know there is a Satsang group in canada Add me and they added me and then somebody was calling me they were saying why don't you come uh, for a Satsang program they were calling me today so i said i'm sorry i i have my bhakti sutra class they're like what you're doing bhakti sutra i'm like yes like then you should do our atma kriya which is integration of bhakti with uh, okay i said okay introduce me to your teacher so The teacher took an interview and she said, Oh, looks like maybe you are ready. I said, if you think I'm ready, (laughs) I'll start. (laughs) So we had a session. The teacher is 68 years old, but still uh, very... uh, So I found a lot of genuineness. and uh, uh, So let me see how it goes. I made a start. I made a commitment. So I will try to stick with it. So Om Namo Narayanaya is uh, starting. And we go from there. And once I become proficient, I am happy to uh, introduce you all to something similar, whoever is interested. So let us start with today's Bhakti Sutra. So we have uh, Q&A, 25 to 33. Does everybody remember their questions? I don't know if everybody is here today. So one question has come uh, which says, In the Bhakti Sutra, it is said when someone has unalloyed devotion for God, they acquire the same good qualities as the demigods, such as religion, knowledge and renunciation. Can you explain whether this religion is like material religion or some other religion in the spiritual realm? Whose question was this? This is your question. You want to clarify a little bit? What was the religion part that they
1: were talking about in the spiritual
0: realm? Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, so, in the context of Narada Bhakti Sutra, the term religion does not refer to material religion, not like the one we follow, because the term religion refers to spiritual qualities and practices that one develops as a result of devotion to God. Even when Krishna says religion, Krishna is talking about those affiliations, those spiritual qualities, those practices that we are attached to, that is what Krishna calls us religion. And so, See, in the Bhakti tradition, the ultimate goal is to cultivate loving relationship with God. And this relationship is based on devotion and surrender. But then this requires a deep understanding of the spiritual principles. And so when we develop this relationship with God, we acquire certain spiritual qualities like faith and humility, compassion, detachment. See, we always say we have to let go of pride when we want to develop our bhakti, and we also discuss, it is a, it is like a feedback loop. So we let go of pride, we develop bhakti. But when we develop bhakti, more pride goes away. You know, so it's like it's like a loop, a feedback loop that fills itself. So when Naradji is saying that one who has unalloyed devotion to God acquires the same qualities as demigod, he means they develop a deep understanding of spiritual principles and practices. And they cultivate the qualities which are necessary to deepen their relationship with God. That is what it means. I hope that answers your question. There is one more question. I don't know who sent it. According to Naraji in Sloka 25, why is Bhakti superior to Karma, Jnana and Yoga? Okay, maybe someone sent it who is absent today. So basically, Naraji explains that Bhakti is superior to Karma, Jnana and Yoga because it leads to the Attainment of this ultimate goal of life, which is love of God. We discussed this even in Bhagavad Gita. Karma, Jnana, Raja Yoga, they are all important, but their ultimate goal is not Chapter direct realization of God. Whereas Bhakti, the only goal of Bhakti is that, direct realization of God. And also Krishna himself has said, that when you mix bhakti in the other yogas, those other yogas also become perfect. For example, karma yoga. You mix jnana to it, it becomes nishtama karma yoga. But then when you mix bhakti to it, that is when that actually elevates you. Next question is, can you please explain the term phala rupatvat? Is this any one of you asked this question? I think next time I should tag the question with who asked it. (laughs) I just have a list of questions here. (laughs) Okay. So, Falarupatvat is a term used here in the Bhakti Sutra, one of the previous Lokas. So, in Sanskrit, Falarupatvat means because of the fruit-like or fruit-providing nature. There are many interpretations given by scholars for this term. But most of them they agree that it refers to the idea that bhakti yields tangible rewards, bhakti yields fruits. It is So in other words, like Sulataji asked the other day, bhakti is not just valuable in itself, but it also leads to certain outcomes or benefits. So bhakti does provide us a lot of benefits, that is why it is called phalarupatwad. And also some scholars, they say that Falarupat indicates that the results of bhakti are similar to the results of karma. Because just as karma yields tangible outcomes, either good or bad, just like that bhakti also yields tangible outcomes. What are the tangible outcomes of bhakti? Spiritual growth, bliss, ultimate union with God, these are all tangible outcomes. Bliss is a very tangible outcome. Because we discussed the other day, God is Sachidananda, and we are a tiny spark of God. So our desire, unknowingly or knowingly, is to be in that state of bliss. And Bhakti takes you towards that bliss. How can we develop a personal deep connection with God? Why is it important? Whose question was that? Yeah, I don't know. People ask questions and then they forget the question. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, I will still answer it, because there are a few people absent today, some of them messaged me that they have some unavoidable uh, situations and so on. So the answer that I can give for how can we develop a deep personal connection with God, why is this important, that is a question. The answer is, in my opinion, humble opinion, we are already connected with God. We have just forgotten that connection. Why we forget that connection? We forget that connection because of our pride and ego. Very simple. If we can get, just get rid of Ahankar, then the existing connection becomes evident. You don't have to create a new connection. The connection already exists. Just let go of pride, ego, let go of your Ahankar, and we will start seeing that connection. We cannot exist without that connection. No living being can exist without that connection. That connection is there. We just don't realize it. And how do we control pride and ego? Any any tips or hints from my Satsanga family?
1: Constant association with devotees. Excellent. And surrender um, surrender to uh, Krishna.
0: Very good. Two very important things already have come up. Anything
1: else? and selflessness. Selflessness.
0: Okay, Solavaji wants to say something. She is searching for the unmute button.
2: No, 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 sorry. I am just trying. You know, when we understand that, you know, the Shloka, sarvaloka, maeshwaram, he is the owner, he is the enjoyer and uh, everything what we have to do is to please him. So there is no sense of ownership here and when that there is, is no sense of, there is no anchoring and the pride and ego thinking that uh, credibility will not be there.
0: Excellent, excellent. So no sense of doership, no sense of ownership. Bhokta Ram Pasam, Sarva Loka Maheshwaram. Suhridam Sarva Bhutanam. That is important because that is what helps us understand that we need to be in a God-loving root emotion. It should be God-loving. We also discussed some quick tips. We discussed A, B, C, D. Lakshmi ji already spoke about A, association. B is books. So Bhagavad Gita, Bhakti Sutra. They're all the right scriptures that we should constantly be reading, introspecting. We are doing the right thing. She is chanting, chanting the holy name of God. Sometimes we pay too much importance to what name we chant. But what is most important is what is Baal. our state of mind when we chant the bow. Like, you know, that is what is most important. Whichever feels the most connect with you, whichever makes you feel comfortable and warm you pick that. It's okay. But what is important is you are consistent with that. So that is chanting. And D is diet. As Krishna explained, that diet aspect is also very important. Otherwise, it is like, you know, pressing the accelerator and the brake at the same time. You are only going to ruin the engine because your food is taking your mind somewhere else and your spiritual practice wants to take it somewhere else. So it's a constant struggle and the struggle will wear you out. You know, So that is why the diet is so important, so that it aids you instead of hindering you. So if you do all of that, then the pride and ego starts coming under control. So that is the whole point. We have to realize this, never forget that we are always connected. God is always there. You remember that example uh, Prabhupada gave in the Bhagavad Gita? He said the soul and the super-soul, they are like two birds who are sitting on the same branch of the tree. The super-soul is always there, but the soul is so busy enjoying the fruits, so looking at the sky and chit-chatting with its friends. <laughs> all it has to do is turn towards the super-soul, that's all. But the super-soul is always there. Just like that, The God's connection is always there. It's up to us to acknowledge it. So that's a very important uh, concept to keep, that, to keep that in mind. Also, I want to quote a verse from Bhagavad Gita where Sri Krishna has repeatedly said why a Bhakti is important. And in one particular sloka, Krishna explains that the Bhakti Yogi is very dear to him. The sloka is 6.47 where Krishna says, And of all yogis, the one with great faith who always abides in me, thinks of me within himself and renders transcendental loving service to me, is the most intimately united with me in yoga and is the highest of all. So, Krishna has given a certificate already, saying, if we practice bhakti yoga, we become dearest to him. So, this practice is important. And as I I keep on saying, one day, I will keep saying until it stops upsetting you. That is when I know that the message is internalized. That is how it is most Good messages, like, you know, when the doctor says, get up in the morning, you shouldn't sleep long, it feels very annoying, irritating. When does it stop annoying us? Once we actually start making it a habit. We get up in the morning, when the doctor says, get up in the morning, you are not annoyed anymore, because, yeah, I'm already doing it. Like (laughs) So, just like that, bhakti, devotion has to be consistent, not just convenient. This is the uh, frontier of maya. Where Maya will keep on discouraging us. It will keep on putting laddus and peras in front of us, distracting us. And we will always be tempted to make this practice of bhakti secondary. Okay, let me take care of that party first. Let me take care of this first. Let me take care of that first. Bhakti ka jar hai? Bhakti to yin hai. You know, my friends kal chale my ho it's, it's always this. But that is the trap we need to avoid. There is nothing wrong. Enjoy everything. But keep Bhakti as a top priority. As long as it doesn't interfere with your Bhakti, do whatever you want to do. Lead a normal life. But don't make Bhakti a secondary, don't make it a convenience-based Bhakti. Because if you have to progress, like we are all, as I said in the WhatsApp, you are all post-graduates because you have finished Bhagavad Gita, now you are on Bhakti Sutra. So post-graduation means the level has to be higher. And the level has to be higher. The expectation is not that you stand on one leg or <laughs> go upside down on a tree or hold your breath for hours. But nothing like that. When it says you have to go to the next level, it means now bhakti has to become consistent rather than convenient. That is all. And everything else magically will start happening. We just have to make that change. Now somebody asked me, when you spoke about knowledge and bhakti being mutually dependent, you referred to knowledge that arises from within buddhi yoga. Blessed by God, can this be experienced when we are in sadhana bhakti or is it siddha bhakti? Whose question was this? Sulataji. Yes. Any clarifications you want to give for that? In yeah.
2: this Just- understand that uh, course grace is always there. Uh, it is the matter of we elevating ourselves uh, and uh, attaining it. But, uh, you know, yeah. when we say um, Vedanta and all, we will not have that knowledge. So, this Buddhi Yoga is the only one which one uh, when we are in this path we can rely on. So, just wanted to understand that.
0: Correct, correct, correct. Your understanding is right. So, basically, the final part of your question says, is... This buddhi yoga, can this be experienced when we are in sadhana bhakti or is it in siddha bhakti stage? That is your concluding part of the question. In my opinion, it is both. Our intellect gets the right direction when we are practicing bhakti. And it gets the absolute divine knowledge once you attain siddha siddha bhakti. You have to first start going, directing your buddhi in the right direction. That is sadhana bhakti. And then it reaches its destination, ultimate knowledge in siddha bhakti. So again, sixth chapter, the golden chapter, when it comes for Bhakti Yogis. Krishna has said in 6.21, what has he said? That which is perceivable by the intellect and is beyond the purview of the senses, which when realized brings about supreme joy, that knowledge is said to be of the nature of the truth. And having realized it, one does not fall back from that state of realization. So Krishna is talking about what is Buddhi what is knowledge and what is the right knowledge that we should seek. So, when you attain the state of Siddha Bhakti, you will experience ultimate bliss which is beyond the senses. The senses cannot perceive or comprehend it. That state is also called a Samadhi. So, Siddha Bhakti, if if you say I have attained Siddha Bhakti, means you have pretty much reached the state of Samadhi. It is the same thing. Now, in this verse 6.21, Krishna is describing a type of knowledge or understanding that you cannot get through your senses, which includes your eyes and your ears. You cannot read about it. You cannot hear about it. But it is only grasped directly when you reach that stage of Samadhi. When you get Siddha Bhakti. Then that ultimate knowledge comes to us. Direct download. But then... And Krishna says, once that happens, you will never fall back. So there is no risk of you ever falling back. Till then it is a game of snakes and ladders. You make some progress, you fall down, you again go up, you again fall down, forever. But Krishna says, once you reach that samadhi, means you have reached box 100. So you have won the game. Then no more roll of dice. <laughs> you know. But the point is to reach that. You need consistent sadhana bhakti. So, that is why Sadhana Bhakti and Siddha Bhakti, they both play a role. Sadhana Bhakti keeps you on the right path. I hope you remember, Krishna said in the Bhagavad Gita that He will direct your intellect in the right direction. He is not going to force you. And then it is up to us to make the most and stay on that direction, stay on the path, be consistent. And we will reach the destination because Krishna wants you to reach the destination. We, we just have to show our willingness and be consistent. So, Sadhana Bhakti and Siddha Bhakti. So, when you do Sadhana Bhakti, Krishna turns your intellect in the right direction and then you keep it in the right direction, be consistent, then you get Siddha Bhakti and in Siddha Bhakti, you get the ultimate knowledge. I hope that makes sense. Sulataji. Thank you, very Guruji, a uh,
1: follow on question to this one. Like uh, In today's world that we are living in, has somebody experienced that stage? What you're talking about? Like consistent?
0: <laughs> I... You're talking about Samadhi, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Where yeah, somebody yeah. has reached the ultimate stage. See, the one thing to keep in mind is this is uh, the most one of the most uh, insightful statements that I've heard on my own journey of Bhakti Yoga is he who has experienced it
2: Never yeah. tell.
0: cannot explain it, and he who explains it, has not experienced it. <laughs> so in other words, as Krishna is also saying the same thing, he saying you cannot comprehend it using your senses, you cannot perceive it using your senses. So what that means is, whoever, I don't know, maybe the person who experienced it is right sitting next to you, but how would you know? Because they cannot explain it, because you cannot perceive it using your senses. It only has to be realized. So somebody may at the most say that I got the realization and you have to trust the person. And that is where the majority of people are misleading the general population. See, I'm, 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 I'm a very, I'm not um, judging anybody, uh, but because you're all my dear Satsang family, I'm just talking about things that create a problem. You know, mm-hmm. Maya, everywhere, even in Bhakti Maya, she's in fact, she is more active among bhakti yogis, because she takes it as a challenge. Oh, so these people think they are going to uh, win over me by using this bhakti yoga? Let me see. So the test is harder So if you see, most of the, and again, I have a lot of respect for some gurus, uh, especially gurus like Like I think they really uh, know what they are talking about. But in general, if you see, the most successful gurus, they are all good looking, physically. So the students seek that even there, they think they are progressing in the Bhakti Yoga, but then the Guru has to be good looking, he has to have good hair, he has to have good physique, he has to look charming. So the Maya comes even there. So it's very hard to say, what are the devotees running behind? Are they running behind this realization or are they running behind some feel-good factor?
2: Because
0: if you are running behind a Guru, because that Guru is attractive, it is your senses again in action, right? And Krishna has said that through the senses we cannot reach the absolute knowledge. So, to make your it's a long answer for your question. The question is is very hard to know. And uh, but there are sages like uh, Vivekananda himself has said, and there are other sages also who have said that there are a lot of self realized souls around us, uh, but only very few very small fraction of them choose to become public. And they also choose to become public only to serve a particular purpose. Like Ramakrishna Paramahamsa, he wanted to spread the knowledge of Karma Yoga and all of those things to the world. And he knew that Vivekananda had that energy required. He had that talent, skills and energy. So Ramakrishna Paramahamsa, through Vivekananda, spread the message to everybody. Even still, Ramakrishna himself didn't become uh, take the limelight. He used Vivekananda for this and Vivekananda kept saying that it's all my Guru. I don't know how I'm even talking, what I'm talking. It all came from him. You know. So like that, there are some who choose to become public, but that also is only because they want to serve humanity. But for the rest, they don't need. They don't need our approval. You know, so they are already in Sachidananda. <laughs> you know, so that hope I hope that answers your question. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm not missing any question and I'm not repeating any question. As per sloka twenty-five, did we just cover this? Okay. As per sloka twenty-five, only bhakti is superior to karma, jnana, and yoga for God realization. Guruji, in that case, one will just do bhakti. That was your question, Deepaji. Yeah, can you please clarify that question? Um, I
1: don't no, so it mentioned that only bhakti is there. Then why are we pursuing knowledge and. Uh...
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So your question says one will just do bhakti and they will leave aside their karma and also not focus on acquiring jnana. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Can you yeah. please help put this in the right context? Good, good, good question. So see this again Sri Krishna has explained it. Like Sulataji mentioned, the first step is to give up pride and ego and sense of ownership and doership. That is the first step, definitely. Then automatically you are going to get inclined towards bhakti. This is what is important. The first step, you need to get inclined towards bhakti. The bhakti bhakti marga, you have to choose that path first. Foremost. Once you do that, all your endeavors get Mishra Bhakti. You start adding Bhakti to everything you do. And once that becomes, everything becomes meaningful. You know, for example, just Jnana is meaningless. In fact, uh, Jnana will drive you crazy beyond a certain point if you just try to intellectualize even about the universe, forget about God, even material universe. Do you know that you can just sit and contemplate upon just one concept of infinity and go mad? It is beyond our reach. You can try doing that. I tried doing that when I was very young. It can drive you crazy. You know? So, jnana is also not meaningful until you put bhakti into it and then you want to know God. That jnana becomes meaningful. And Sri Krishna also explained how thoughts, speech, actions, austerities, everything are sattvic only when they are performed with humility and purity. All of this makes sense. I am giving you different pieces and we have to put them all together now. So, the message is not that we should do bhakti and not do anything else. That is not the message. The message is we should do everything with the bow of bhakti. See the difference? And Krishna has continuously repeated so many times that you cannot avoid your rightful actions. You cannot avoid your duties. You have to do them. So, karma is important. But don't try to become a karma yogi. Some people do karma because they want to do become a karma yogi. Just like that. Knowledge is important. But your goal should not to be to become a great jnana yogi. Deepali, the great jnana yogi. That shouldn't be the, the goal. The goal should be Jnana is important, but it has to be directed towards God. Add Bhakti to that. So, so, again, the message is not that do Bhakti and not do anything else, but the message is do everything with a bow of Bhakti. Add Bhakti to everything. It is, like, it is like Indian cooking. Put Haldi and Mirchi in everything. You know, it doesn't matter what is the vegetable. poor vegetable in the frying pan. In everything, there has to be Haldi and Merchi, right? That is like that, add bhakti to everything we do and everything becomes tasty. <laughs> okay. Sloka 27 refers to lack of pride and need for humility. How does self-respect and assertiveness fit in this case? Whose question is this? For oh, you again, okay, good question. Can I ask you a question? Like When you say self-respect, what is this self that you are talking about?
1: In the daily context, uh, one always says, you "Know that uh, ensure that uh, uh, you, uh, you 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 yes. respect your own self." By I mean.
0: how yes, do I explain? Yes, it? yes, yes, yeah. yes, No, I understand. It's a very, very uh, often used term. That's why I want to clarify. So, when you say self-respect, you have to first thing you have to understand is what is that self that you are trying to respect? Is that your pride? Is that your ego? Or is it your true self?
1: Uh, True self. Because
0: nobody can hurt your true self, nobody can insult your true self. Your true Uh, self is beyond any insult, true self is beyond any hurt. See, I will give you a very crude example. We have all dealt with children at at some point in our lives. Let us say a two-year-old child, which has just learned to talk but doesn't even know what it is saying, copying words from elders, looks at you and says, idiot. You start laughing. Right? You are not offended. You are a two-year-old child. Why are you not offended? There are two reasons. One is, you believe that the child is ignorant. The other is, you know that you are much more mature than the child. So in other words, the two-year-old child There is no way they can actually insult you or make you feel bad. It's not possible. No matter what the child does, even if the child throws a stick at you, it's not possible for you to feel insulted because the equation is very clear. Now look at the equation of God. You are a tiny spark of God, the eternal. We are all like those children. Not even that. I mean, the difference is much more greater. right? Ignorant people how can anything we do insult god the same equation right god is just laughing away he's like ignorant people they just don't know what they're doing they don't know what they're saying so just like that your true inner self there is there's nothing can actually insult it or hurt it because all the external the people around you compared to that supreme spark they're all ignorant like children so that is the thing you have to tell yourself and if you are talking about your ego or pride, then you can never fully satisfy it. <laughs> it is very fragile. You can protect it today but tomorrow it is again hurt. <laughs> so it is a futile attempt. So that is why this term self-respect is very important that we take it in the right context. Every other discussion is hurting my self-respect. That may, makes makes life very difficult. You know Because there we are protecting our ego and pride. And we should tell ourselves that it's a futile attempt. Because it can never bulletproof your ego. You can never do that. Then you have to tell yourself, my true self, I'm a spark of God. And once that belief comes in, then nothing is insulting you. It may be uncomfortable, but you can just ignore it. Correct? So Being humble doesn't mean putting yourself down or lacking self-respect. The other perspective is also there. Instead of self-respect, I will say that you have to recognize your own worth, self-worth as a spiritual being, that you are not just a sensual machine. You are a divine spiritual being. You have to be that acknowledgement. At every point you have to acknowledge that I am not just a body. I am a spiritual being. Then we can get into this mode of assertiveness. So we are talking now, I, I want to switch gears and talk about practicality. Like you asked real life and how do you deal with situations, right? So, see one of the, like I, I have been a, people used to call me the angry man because many, many, many years ago when I was starting my career, I was a very, very intense guy like everything needs to be done and things have to be done well and I cannot tolerate you know, people doing shabby jobs and I was feared by a lot of people. I used to succeed. Definitely I had a lot of success wherever I went but I was also creating a lot of uh, hurt among people and the best advice I got, the eye-opener advice I got was from a very great leader. He's a VP in a big company today, he told me, Vinayak, based on my experience in my life, I think the one advice I can give you is, we should learn to differentiate between aggressiveness and assertiveness. He said, the true victory comes when you learn how to be assertive without being aggressive. No, it's a very uh, simple one line, but you have to introspect. It's a profound statement, because the difference is ego. See, I will tell you, for example, don't miss my sessions. And I may question you, why you are missing your sessions? I may question you. But if it comes from from a perspective of ego, this person didn't come to my session, I will tend to become aggressive. That is not good for me, that's not good for you. But if there is no ego, if I'm only talking about what is good for you, what is good for your path, correct? then I'll say the same thing and I'll just try to be assertive. That is what is being assertive. Assertive is I'm not feeling hurt, I'm not trying to hurt you either. I'm just saying what is the right thing and I'm going to keep repeating. Okay, That is assertiveness. So, When you recognize your own self-worth, you will automatically switch to assertive mode rather than aggressive mode. And once you are in an assertive mode, things like self-respect are automatically taken care of. Because you are not trying to hurt anybody and nobody is going to try and hurt you either. You know, people are like mirrors. You throw a stone at them, they throw another stone back at you. So assertiveness is the key where they know that you, you mean what you say. You know what you are saying. And you are going to be firm there. So they will talk about the topic rather than talking about you. See? And in Bhagavad Gita, I want to just point this out. It is a very interesting thing. In mm-hmm. Bhagavad Gita, when Krishna spoke about virtues, he also spoke about uprightness as a virtue. So assertiveness is the same as uprightness. So So Krishna is calling that as one of the virtues. So go and look at uh, chapter 13, verse 8. There he talks about virtues. And one of the virtues he is talking about is uprightness, service to Guru, cleanliness of body and mind, steadfastness and self-control. And there is another verse, 6.5, which is one one of my favorite verses. Usually when I'm a little tired, I figured that whenever I feel a little tired, my Sanskrit goes down. <laughs> I make mistakes. <laughs> so then I try to totally avoid Sanskrit and I stick. So the days when I'm totally avoiding Sanskrit, you should know that I'm a little tired. <laughs> if I'm full of energy, when I'm trying those Sanskrit, I need, to, I need to speak that Sanskrit, you know. <laughs> so today I'll speak to English. So 6.5, please make a note and go read it again and again because that is one of the most empowering verses in the Bhagavad Gita, where Sri Krishna said, Elevate yourself through your own self. Do not degrade yourself. And then he goes on to say, The mind is your best friend as well as your worst enemy. That's such a strong statement about self-respect and self-worth coming from Sri Krishna. But the point to note is, Krishna is asking us to have self-worth and be assertive. That is the mantra to use even in your corporate life, in your day-to-day life, with your workers, with your friends, with your relatives. Switch into the mode of assertiveness, which pretty much simply means have the right intent, don't hurt anybody and don't get hurt by anybody. hope this makes sense. Uh, Deepaji, the other thing I want to say is this is my own personal opinion. I hope it makes sense to you. Is humility and self-respect they do not contradict each other? They complement each other. So humility makes you more assertive, and making you more assertive gives you more self-respect. It's a it's a complementary relationship. The next one is acknowledging your own vikaras and giving them away lead to unalloyed devotion. How do we give them away when it is so ingrained in us? For example, pride, ego, and ignorance. The practicing bhakti for sure, but can you please elaborate? With Whose question is this? Chitraji's question. Okay. Yes, yes. So I'll try to answer this, Chitraji. Let's see if uh, it satisfies you. So we talk about vikaras, right? Vikaras refers to various negative tendencies or afflictions. And these vikaras include pride, ego, attachment, anger, jealousy, ignorance. We all know this. We have read this even in Bhagavad Gita. In the path of bhakti, acknowledging and giving of vikaras is essential. It is extremely essential. The idea is that when we surrender our negative tendencies to the Divine, that is when we become free from their influence. Takshulataji said, "Bhaktaram Ram Tapasam. So that tapas, even giving away your vikaras is a tapas. So for example, today let us say you are suffering from anger. That is a vikara. Now you need to tell God that I want to sacrifice this vikara to you. The problem is we try to control it. We say I am going to control my anger. It is only going to get worse. Rather, the mindset should be, I'm going to sacrifice my anger to God. Just like that, if you're suffering from lust. See, This is another question youngsters ask me, you know, about, uh, you know, there was this one young guy who who was a very, very bright, one of the smartest engineers I had around me, extremely bright, frighteningly bright guy. And he once told me, this doesn't make sense what your God is saying. I said, what doesn't make sense? Said your God says that sex is bad, but then humanity cannot, uh, you know, grow without that. You know that is a kind of a biological thing. And he went on, and then I had to point him that in the entire Bhagavad Gita, the word sex doesn't come. Krishna has never said that is not what he has said. He has only said lust is bad. What is the difference? The same difference between saying earning income is not bad, but greed is bad. Because when you are in a mindset of greed, the only thing you can think about is that money. I want more, I want more, I want more, I want you are not thinking about anything else. That is the difference. Just like that. Lust is not just for sex. Lust is for anything. It can be for power. You want power, but you are not satisfied. You want more power, you want more power. That is also lust. So that is a vikara, strong vikara. And Krishna has called that as number one Vikara. Number two Vikara is called it as anger, Kama Krodh. is number three according to Krishna. So he had said these are the gateways to hell. And these are very strong. We we studied that. So we cannot conquer them. We can only surrender them to Krishna. Acknowledging is the first step. Do acknowledge. See, as long as we think we are saints, that I'm I'm them Pak, then there is no progress that is going to happen. First, acknowledge. And once you acknowledge, ask for help. And the way to ask for help is by surrendering your weaknesses, vikaras to Krishna. That is how you get over your vikaras. And it is very, very important. What is most important is, again, being consistent. It's not like, today I am in that mode, I am feeling good, I am saying, Krishna, I surrender my anger to you. And after one week you forget about this incident altogether you're back to your ways no that doesn't help it has to be consistent do little but do every day now you ask for an example chitraji the best example is we discussed uh, earlier vishwamitra he had so many vikaras he had anger pride violence stealing lust everything was there in vishwamitra he was a decoyed Looting and killing people for a living. He was. He had so many vikaras that the word Rama wouldn't come from his mouth. That was his condition. But based on Naraji's advice, he started chanting Mara, 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 Mara. It became Ram. But because he had faith in Naraji, he trusted Naraji that whatever this person is telling is for my good. That made a difference. And what made the biggest difference? He was consistent. Today, you and I cannot just say Mara Mara and expect to get enlightened because it may make like a microscopic difference today. But if you are consistent, then even a it can become a Vishwamitra. So, there are examples like that. So, hope this answers your question. Uh, like there is a. Did I make a mistake? Did I by mistake say Vishwamitra instead of Valmiki?
2: Valmiki,
0: yeah. Yeah, am I'm, I'm, I'm extremely sorry. I told you I'm tired. So I made a mistake. It's not Vishwamitra. It is Valmiki. But you got the story. Correct? Right? Apologies, uh, apologies to Vishwamitra ji. <laughs> He's known for his anger, I hope. He spares me from his krodha. <laughs> he must be sitting there thinking, this guy thinks I wasn't a quite. <laughs> no, no, no. So... Apologies for that. So the next one is in absolute divine love and bhakti. If you want to progress on the path of bhakti, then become the best version of yourself. Why to become the best version rather than presenting yourself the way you are with all your flaws? And I think this is Chitraji again, right? Yeah. So when you go to a party or when you go to meet your friends, do you dress up and try to look your best or? Do you expect them to accept you with all your flaws? There we want to dress up. We want to look good. We want to be our best when we are in front of people, in events, and get-togethers. Correct? Why is God uh, any less important than your friends? Why shouldn't we have the same mindset that for God I need to present my best, I need to be my best? See, the bhakti or divine love is all about Mindset of giving and pleasing the Lord. It's not giving things that you don't want. It is giving things that are precious. That is what helps progress on bhakti because bhakti has to be practiced with that mindset. Correct? So You have to give the best version of yourself to God. Why do you want to give anything less to God? Giving your best version. That is how the progress happens faster in bhakti. God is going to love you anyways. He already does. What matters is how do we get into that state where we can actually realize that love, experience that love. That is the whole thing. Thank you so much. So my question to you, I can either introduce you to the next section, it may take me maybe 10 minutes, or we can do the introduction next session. I'm, I'm open for both. I'm ready to do both. But are you tired? Are you? Uh, would you like to start the introduction? Or do you want to do it next time? Because I'm asking because it's already an hour. I have time. It's not about me.
2: Yeah. My
1: station you are tired. So I, I mean it would be recommended we do it i don't know i mean up to everybody but you are genuinely tired no no
0: no i'm i'm see, i'm tired many times because i have i also have a full time
2: job kalpana's... for me yeah this
0: kalpana
2: sir
0: <laughs> okay decision made see you should be careful what you are asking chitra
1: <laughs> if
0: you ask kalpana's opinion she has given her opinion now i have to do the introduction Na, so it's good <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: then
0: let us do the introduction to the next section because as I said okay. we are we finished two sections we are now going to the third section Hare Krishna so what is the third section the third section is about methods by which divine love or para-bhakti can be cultivated. So it's a very very important, useful, I mean all sections are useful, but this will have a more direct, we can apply these teachings more directly. So let us embark on this new journey, Go into the third section of Narada's philosophy of divine love. So in this section, we are going to explore the ways in which we can nurture and protect the flame of devotion within ourselves. Now, as seekers of truth, it is our duty to safeguard this precious spirit and cultivate it with utmost care. I hope you all agree. So, in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Fix your mind on me, be devoted to me, worship me and offer yourself to me, thus making yourself steadfast in yoga and constantly united with me. Similarly, in Srimad Bhagavatam, God reminds us that by rendering devotional service unto the Lord, One immediately acquires costless knowledge and detachment from the world. Vairagya comes. It just comes. Therefore, let us follow the teachings of Narajji and strive to maintain a deep and unwavering devotion towards the divine. And we have to guard it against the temptations of the world. Very important. We have to protect it. We have to guard it. And we have to nurture it with love and devotion so that we may attain true spiritual liberation. So what is Loka 34? You can stand with me. Tasya Sadhanani
2: Gayanani
0: acharya,
2: acharya
0: Tasya means supreme love for God. Sadhanani means methods. Sadhan, method. Gayanti is Singh, Acharya is teacher. So, the methods for cultivating devotion in the human heart are varied, as sung by the ancient masters. This is the interpretation of that Sloka. as discussed earlier, there are two fundamental types of devotion. One that we practice, Sadhana Bhakti, and one that God kindles in us through His Divine Grace, which is Siddha Bhakti. Now, Siddha Bhakti is pure, it's very intense. It cannot be theorized. It cannot be explained. It can only be realized and felt. Very important to know this. So, all these lessons that we are learning, all this gyan that we are going through, these are all to prepare us. This is not the ultimate. Narada Bhakti Sutra is there to prepare us for Siddha Bhakti. Actual Siddha Bhakti is is not contained in any scripture. It is not possible because you cannot read it. You cannot theorize it it has to be realized now when does God grace this is another question that people ask often they ask why is God gracing that person not me God is partial you know so when does God grace it's a very very simple answer God will grace when you are ready to receive it <laughs> we have to prepare ourselves become ready eligible, See, that Siddha Bhakti is like high voltage electricity. If you use a cheap quality bulb, it is just going to fuse. The moment you turn on the la- switch, the bulb is fused. So to receive that electricity, you have to be that quality of a bulb, which can shine brightly. You know, that is what Sadhana Bhakti is about. Sadhana Bhakti is preparing you. So. I'll uh, see if I can find a video clip. I watched this again when I was, many years ago and there was this Hatha Yogi. He was talking about his journey and how he really wanted to meet Babaji. You know, Babaji is uh, considered to be one of the immortal uh, saints who still lives in in the Himalayas. Uh, he's, He's been there around and it, it is said that he learned directly from Shiva and all. So the, there is a lot of credibility to that story, Babaji's story. There is even a movie which is uh, made about that topic and all. But to make a long story short, this Hatha Yogi was on his quest. He wanted to meet Babaji and he was feeling, and he, I'm talking about a very Ponchava Hatha Yogi. I mean, he is a master category of Hatha Yogi and he is perfected in Hatha Yoga, he teaches Hatha Yoga. He's a very, very um, elevated soul himself. So he is going to Rishikesh, he is going to Himalayas. He wants to meet Babaji and he is getting all emotional that why is Babaji not giving me Darshan? What is wrong? Where am I falling short? Because I have done everything right. I have been on the right path and still Babaji is not giving me Darshan. And the thing is, one night he feels something around him, some energy around him. And because he's a Hatha yogi, Hatha yogis are masters of energy. They know how to deal with energy. They understand everything about energy. So he could sense that energy and he could feel the intensity. And he says, I realized that I was not yet ready. And I realized that this was just a glimpse of Babaji and I couldn't handle that. And he said, I have done everything, Nadi Shodana and whatever is prescribed in the yoga textbooks, I have done. Still not enough. You know, that is the reason why God is not granting Siddha Bhakti just to everybody. Because we are not ready. We cannot handle it. You know, do you remember we discussed a story when we were uh, talking about Bhagavad Gita about how this one person was pestering Ramakrishna all the time. <laughs> that I also want to feel. The Divine, and Ramakrishna kept saying, "Be very careful, you don't know what you're asking." and he won't give up. He's a businessman, but he's like, I want to feel the divine." so Ramakrishna says, "Okay, Mother, give him a little bit of your experience, and after three days, he comes back and says, Babaji please take it away. <laughs> I cannot handle it because I'm not able to think of anything else. I'm not able to do anything. I, my business is stopped and I cannot focus on family, I cannot focus on business, I can do nothing because you are not ready. You have to be a Ramakrishna to handle that Siddha Bhakti and still, you know, walk around like a normal human being. So that is when God is going to give us. So we keep talking about purify yourself, we keep talking about, you know, don't have vikaras, be consistent, all of these things. It is not because God enjoys to put you through tough times. It is all because that is how we strengthen ourselves and make ourselves ready to receive the Siddha Bhakti. And Siddha Bhakti is our ultimate goal. So we have to spend our entire life in pursuit of preparing ourselves for that. That is the message of most of Bhakti Sutra. So what Naraji is saying is, as sung by various teachers indicating that, See, there is one more meaning hidden in this. When he says, as sung by various teachers, he doesn't say as said by various teachers. The hidden meaning there is for most of these sages and saints, spreading the spiritual knowledge is joyful. They get joy in spreading spiritual knowledge. They are at that stage. So that is why when they talk about the spiritual truths, they are singing the spiritual truth. Navada Bhakti, remember in Ram That was also like a poem, it was sung. So if we practice sadhana bhakti with sincerity and this word, I am going to nail it down, consistency. Sincerity and consistency, God will certainly grant us siddha bhakti. So in the fourth chapter, Lord Krishna assured us. What did Lord Krishna say? He says, in whatever way one surrenders unto me, I reciprocate accordingly. Everyone follows my path in all respects, O son of Pritha. So Krishna is emphasizing the universality of the path of devotion. He is saying that whatever path you choose, to approach him, he will reciprocate. It's not necessary that you have to follow only a certain set of rules or rituals. There's nothing like that. Devotion and surrender, that's all he's asking for. Krishna is also saying that everyone, regardless of their background or circumstances, can follow his path of devotion. He is not limited to any particular group of people or religion. See, this is the irony. The word Christian doesn't come in the Bible. The word Vaishnava doesn't come in the Bhagavad Gita. But people who teach Bhagavad Gita make it something that belongs to a set of people. The same way people who preach the Bible, they start making it, Oh, this is for Catholics, this is for Protestants, this is for Pentecostals, whatever, right? So it is people who corrupt it, whereas Krishna's message is universal. There is no such discrimination made anywhere. All he is saying is surrender, devotion. These are the prerequisites. And Srimad Bhagavatam, it is said that if by good fortune one develops faith in hearing and chanting my glories, such a person should pursue the path of loving devotion to me. They should not be excessively attached or disgusted with material life. In this way, they can achieve perfection in their devotion. Neither attachment nor aversion. Don't run behind material things. Don't run away from material things. So the previous shloka of the Bhakti Sutra teaches us that mere knowledge of devotion alone cannot awaken true Bhakti within our hearts. In this section, Naraji will explain various techniques and methods that can help us cultivate the power of devotion. That is what this third section is all about. Techniques and methods that we can use to grow our Bhakti. And the Slokas, they will guide us on how to develop the emotional connection that Chitraji was asking. How do you develop that connection? That's going to be explained. And what Naraji has done is, he has collected together the sayings of different Acharyas on this topic and he has also added his own perspectives and his own opinions. That is why this third section is, See, always, even in the Bhagavad Gita, the Bhakti Yoga was sandwiched right in the middle. Just like that, the techniques required for developing Bhakti is right in the middle. It is the third section of Bhakti Sutra. So that is pretty much the introduction to the third se- section of the Bhakti Sutra. So starting from next session, we will start going through the various techniques that Naraji has explained. So thank you so much. Hare Krishna. I am so grateful that all of you stayed, although we are way above our time quota. But I'm very grateful that you all stayed with me, you supported me. God bless you all and uh, let us all stay on the path till we succeed. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.
1: Hare Krishna. You you proved Prabhuji that your body was tired but your soul wasn't.
0: (laughs) soul is never tired. (laughs) You know, see, I, I, I think today is the first time I told you that I'm tired. Uh, I don't tell usually and the reason I told you I'm tired is because my my mind was telling me don't try those Sanskrit slokas, you are going to goof up. <laughs> because what I have experienced is those Sanskrit slokas they require some kind of energy. No matter how many times I have chanted it. In a class whenever I try to chant it I have seen if my energy is not at a particular level I always make mistakes. It is not about lack of confidence. It just happens. I can't explain. So, so today, like, I knew that if I tried those transcripts, look, I will make a mistake. And I didn't want to do that. That's why I said I'm tired. Not that I cannot. I can continue for another hour. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is what is, I think, uh, the, the, in my opinion, the most meaningful thing I do in my week is this. So, thankful to you for not getting tired of listening to me.
1: Uh, a quick takeaway from today's session, what I can say is like, when you say sadhana bhakti, it's like, you know, uh, the road to it, the way to it, sadhana. And now what we're getting is along the road, how you should be doing it, the technique. That's what you're teaching.
2: Right?
1: Correct,
0: correct.
1: That's what was going in my mind. Like yes, How to stay yes. on
0: the road, how to stay on the path and how to progress on the path yeah yeah so first we we spoke about what the path is about we defined yeah. the path then we spoke about why that path is the most important path why it is the right path and then we described how to know you are on the path you know the many different uh, descriptions and definitions came but now that you know everything how to stay on the path and how to grow on the path is what the techniques are all about so they are in the middle. They wouldn't make sense if they put it in the front, because somebody is going to tell you how to progress in Bhakti, but you are not yet convinced that you really want to progress in Bhakti. <coughs>
1: Correct.
0: So Naraji is making all the cases, so that by the time we come to the third section, you should already be convinced that Bhakti Yoga is the right path, Bhakti Yoga is the supreme path, Bhakti Yoga is dear to God, and I want to be on that path. Are you convinced? Hopefully you are. Then, now that section starts on the techniques for making you grow on that path. Yeah.
1: Right.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you. Krishna. Is Thank you. Sulataji, you are saying something?
2: Yeah, I just got reminded of uh, the beautiful example which you had given earlier. Um, when we spoke, when we are talking about this Jnana, Jnanis who want to intellectualize God, and bhaktis, uh, Bhaktas who want to realize. The example of monkey with its baby and the cat with its kitten. Yeah. So, where in monkey's case, the baby has to hold, catch hold of the mother tightly, so that you know by its own efforts, when it moves from one tree to another. But in the case of uh, like nyani's, have to make a lot of effort, and it is complex also, uh, you know, to make their self effort to hold on to it. And then, you know, when in the case of cat, cat holds the kitten, cat itself holds it uh, by all its grace. You know, it looks like it's biting, but it's a smooth way of, uh, safest way of holding it and uh, taking it along. So it should be like that. I think uh, bhaktas will be more exposed, like, you know, there's uh, chances of, of course, divine grace, that's referred to here, I think. Thank Which you. Beautiful,
0: the- beautiful example. Yeah so basically as long as you are depending on your own will your own intellect you know you are like that monkey baby where you have to hold tight yeah and make sure you don't fall away whereas when you are in a mode of surrender and when you are on the path of bhakti when you grow on that path you have to cross a certain threshold once you cross a certain threshold you become like that kitten where god will hold on to you you know so thank you that's a very beautiful reminder Definitely. and So by the third section, it's not too long. My humble uh, desire or my humble request is, just for the next 3 weeks or 4 weeks, try to prioritize. I'll tell you something. Now, now whoever wants to drop can drop. There is, I won't feel bad. I was actually enrolled for Kriya Yoga initiation with another Guruji, with another agency. I'm calling them an agency because they do a lot of preparations for this, there's logistics involved. And they told me that I have to be away for a weekend, including a Friday. And I was telling them, is it possible to avoid that? Because I really don't want to miss uh, two or three classes, you know, uh, because I don't want to break the flow. Especially Bhakti Sutra, I feel like commitment I've also given, right? But it was not working out because they said there are so many people already committed and everything. And you won't believe, I was just telling myself I hope there was a way to avoid this because I really want to do that Kriya initiation because I've done Kriya myself and I know I need a better guidance. So I wanted this kind of initiation. And this comes out of the blue. Least expected. The Guru came to me which is something that I never expected. I have been running behind teachers all my life. And here I was just making a very simple wish, saying, is it possible somehow I can have both? Kriya initiation also happens, and I'm not missing my classes also. And you won't believe, out of the blue, this just happened. And the Guru came to me, a Guru I didn't even know about, which I was not even seeking. What I'm trying to tell you is, if the will is there, the universe will make way. So we should try to be consistent for the next at least till we finish the remaining part of Bhakti Sutra. This kind of a opportunity, this kind of a privilege to be with this Satsanga may not always present itself. So, let us make the most of it, that's my request. I don't seek anything else, but that consistency if we can try and maintain, at least till we finish the rest of the Bhakti Sutra, I think that will be really a precious thing for all of you to do. So thank you so much again. and. Uh, Today, thank you. Special thanks for staying with me for one and a half hours. Big honor and privilege. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare
1: Krishna. Hare Krishna.
0: Poonamji, were you saying something?
2: I no, no. I'll say thank you. No, we, have we have achieved work. something. We have achieved something.
0: <laughs> Most welcome.
2: Spending time with you. <laughs> I missed one session. Feeling very bad about it.
0: No, no, I'm, I'm not trying. I'm not taunting That's anybody. Please don't take it no, that no, way. No
2: no no, no. Yeah. no, no, no. I'm telling you. It is my guilt what I'm talking about, my feelings. I don't want to really miss.
0: No, you have been very regular so far. And I hope God gives you the
2: uh, opportunities
0: was... to stay. <laughs> yeah, Chitraji, you were saying something?
1: I was First I was saying, has the recording stopped? You're still recording, no? Yeah.